This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, hi, hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox Podcast. I am Dan Favalli coming at you with my super-duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome times awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario, doesn't want the Sacramento Kings to trade for Kyle Kuzma because he wants his Utah Jazz to give up even more to get Kyle Kuzma co-host, Andrew D. Belly. Before we get started today, I just want to get through our usual housekeeping notes. First and foremost, please continue subscribing to Hardwood Knocks on iTunes. We can also be found wherever else you are getting your podcast. Subscribe to us, rate, review us there as well. But iTunes is still the best way to let us know that you're out there and that you're listening. So if you can, even if you do get your podcast somewhere else, go into Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe to us. It really helps us out. Make sure you're downloading every episode. Uh, the ratings and reviews are important. They've been a little stagnant of late, so we would appreciate any and all help that we could get on that front. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com, search Hardwood Knox. We will come up. Subscribe. Like all our videos, you can check out all our podcasts, which are uploaded there as well. Follow the podcast on Twitter, at Hardwood Knox. Follow Andy on Twitter, at Andrew D. Bailey. I am at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. And please follow the podcast network, Blue Wire, at Blue Wire Pods. With all of that out of the way, we get to the question that everyone loves hearing the answer to. Andy, how the hell are you doing? I am doing great. Um, the the lead-ins are getting more outrageous every single episode we have. I do not want Cal Kuzma on the Utah Jazz. That's not what you um, told me off air. You're like Donovan Mitchell and filler for Kyle Kuzma. Scrub that from the recesses of your memory. Uh, get it off the internet, even though it's not on there yet, and, and it will be, and the internet never forgets all that stuff. Uh, I'm doing good though. I'm I'm excited to talk about some NBA rumors. Yes, we are doing our NBA trade rumor mill roundup. I was actually going to say that we should do a trade target for every NBA team, break it up east and west before we actually recorded this. But the rumor mill has been not surprisingly busy, but it all of a sudden went from like. Zero to 60 or zero to maybe like 80. It's not quite 100 just yet considering what we're used to. But um, there were a lot of rumors to get through. The One of the most recent ones and the biggest ones that became a thing on Twitter is that Mark Stein of the New York Times reported uh, the Kings had contacted the Lakers about trading for Kyle Kuzma and knew that they would have to give up Bogdan Bogdanovich and other stuff as well. Uh, that report was shot down by Sam Amick. Jason Jones, and then other writers who were clued into the Kings, which sort of made it seem like Sacramento, after maybe perhaps seeing the reaction or just their initial report in general, sent out a mass text to everyone um, yeah. to, to really knock that down. What what do you make of it? And the, the thing that I'll point out quickly, just for the logistics, um, is that 
the other stuff was bizarre because Bogdanovich is better than Kyle Kuzma. And it's just, it's not even close. But also, uh, Bogdanovich makes $8.6 million and Kyle Kuzma is still on his rookie scale and makes a grand total of slightly under $2 million. And yeah. so I, he has a year left of team control at $3.6 million. So if the Kings are scared of losing Bogdanovich in restricted free agency, you get the logic here. But it's one, the wrong player, and two, if they were actually in consideration to give up other stuff, whatever that may be, uh, that's a problem. So there would need to be other players to make this work, and there better not be other assets exchanging hands from Sacramento if this deal were to go through, which again, it it has since been shot down, or at least uh, there are reports that made it seem like Sacramento was lukewarm on, on getting Kyle Kuzma. You will be shocked to know that I read or I wrote an article about um, possible landing spots for Kuzma and the Lakers fans thought I undervalued him. So they may, uh, they were, and sorry to interject, but I made a Photoshop of a trade machine thing uh, uh, where the reaction was a little bit different, but they, after seeing it, they started saying that giving up Avery Bradley and Kyle Kuzma for Bogdanovich was way too much. And so they were trying to figure out ways to not (laughs) give up Bradley. And then there were some, slightly serious not in the mentions but i saw that it basically along the lines of hey maybe the lakers could get De'Aaron fox too who knows like that's that is i i think that's a minority of laker fans but that is regardless of whether it's the minority or even less than the minority that's some strong ass exceptionalism um it's very very strong uh <laughs> they think that he's like the value of a uh superstar 21 year old. I don't, I don't know what else to say. Um, he's 24. He's, I don't think he's ever had an, an above average true shooting percentage. In fact, I'm sure that he hasn't. Um, defense is a big problem for him. He doesn't do a ton beyond scoring. Uh, somebody commented or replied to me and said, this, you know, trash article is treating Kyle Kuzma like he's a second round pick. Um, and I don't think I went that far, but, but if we were to try to encapsulate his value in terms of, you know, what, what kind of pick is it? I, I think he's kind of like a late first right now, maybe, um, maybe no, he, he has a little more value than that because we've at least seen him, you know, he can average double figures. And I think there's, um, there's, there's more value to that than the question mark you get in a draft pick, but he's just, he's not as valuable as a lot of people think that he is. Um, and he's not going to get the Lakers some ridiculous haul back. Like it's it's going to be a diff, another role player. That's what they're getting for for Kyle Kuzma if they do that, make that trade. And they have to attach other contracts to his because, as you pointed out, he makes less than two million dollars this year. And if you're going to get anybody other than like Alec Burks, um, who's going to be a contributor to this Lakers team, you have to attach contracts to Kuzma's to make the money work. Um, some of, some of the names I came up with was like Etwan Moore, Jay Crowder, um, obviously Bogdan Bogdanovich. I had to include him in the article. Alec Burks was one that I threw in. And the, the money is weird on that one because Kuzma actually makes more than Burks and the uh, the Warriors are hard capped. So that one got a little bit weird. Um, <laughs> but I think what they're going to get back is a role player. I can't, I can't, they cannot be expecting anything more than that. And I think fans. Uh, shouldn't be expecting any more anything more than that either. Yeah, and look the the 
there's I don't even know you might even be being a little bit generous with saying that he's maybe a mid the equivalent of a mid first round picks and you're right there's there's value in the known and we know that he can score not most efficiently but we've seen him do it with the ball in his hands he was absurd in isolation during his rookie campaign um, but there definitely is some red flags where I know he's had injuries this season and last year's roster was kind of a mess but the fact that he hasn't really been able to find a, a niche. Uh, in the LeBron James era, where his job, in theory, should be getting a lot easier. Uh, that's certainly not great. And the thing that stood out more to me for this is that if the Lakers are even in the conversation for Kuzma, and let's preface, we should have prefaced everything we say with that we know that it's tis the season of leaks and agendas. And so yeah. if this these rumors are being leaked, we might all be being taken for fools. And so we always... Uh, interpret these reports with a grain of salt. Just the fact that the report said the Kings contacted the Lakers, maybe the Lakers leaked that out. Uh, I, I don't know. I, it was just, that was bizarre. But if the Lakers, with what they can offer, are in play for Bogdanovich, there better be a, a, at least another dozen teams calling the Kings trying to get yeah. um, bogey. Uh, you know, the Sixers, he'd be a great fit there. He'd be a great fit on so many teams. He's like, I don't know that he's... I wouldn't say he's like timeline proof, but there could be bad teams that are rebuilding that could be interested in him if they don't think his restricted free agent market is going to be particularly robust. He turns 28 in August, but particularly contenders for someone who's proven that he can shoot, do a little creation off the dribble, maybe even play some point guard for you. There are bigger defensive liabilities on the wings than him. That's maybe the highest defensive compliment (laughs) I could really give him. Uh, So like, Maybe the Kings then did let that rumor leak to see if they could drive up the price for him. Uh, and, and so that's something I thought about. And I'm wondering if you, if there are any teams, you know, I think, again, a bunch of them you can make a case for. But if there are any teams specifically that, that you think would make sense aside from the Lakers for Bardanovich, because he is a great fit there. But again, I feel like this applies to so many different situations. Yeah, there was the uh, I don't think this was a rumor, uh, but it's kind of been my sort of go-to destination for him since it was written, but Jonathan Jarks or Charks uh, for the ringer wrote about how he would be a good fit for the bucks. Um, and this has been probably two months ago now. So I think he makes a little bit of sense there. Um, I think they've mostly cobbled together what they lost with Malcolm Brogdon's departure. George Hill has been fantastic. Um, you know, all those youngish wings like Dante DiVincenzo and Pat Connaughton have been pretty good. Um, but I think, I think, Bogdanovich would raise their ceiling even you know just a little bit more and maybe they can put together three or four or two or three of those contracts for the young guys and get him that's an interesting location to me um if if there is some fire to this smoke and he actually does end up on the Lakers I mean that's huge um I I think that makes them significantly bigger their biggest question mark is depth to me still if they if they lose Davis or LeBron for some significant stretch or, you know, God forbid in the playoffs, they're, they're going to be in deep, deep trouble. So if they can get another guy who's, you know, truly helpful, like I think Bogdanovich could be, um, that's a big one. I haven't thought <clears throat> real hard about other possible landing places uh, for him. What are, what are some that are sticking out to you? Uh, there, yeah. I mean, Milwaukee was, is one that definitely stood out. That's, that's like a fantastic one. I already said Philly, uh, Orlando could really use someone like that. Uh, if if you're looking at maybe just like contender specific teams, uh, maybe the Heat would would look at giving up one of their young pieces plus filler for him. 
Uh, Indiana could also use him, but they are going to get Victor Oladipo back. I'm sure Houston would love to have him too. Uh, they have enough shot creators though, and matching any sort of salary for them is is basically tough. Uh, I saw some people mention Dallas. I just they have the best offense in the league, and I would rather see them get a wing that can play play more defense. Uh, it's the same with Denver. Their defense has sort of slipped off since the Nikola Jokic resurgence, but I think you could also argue that maybe they need another layer of of shot creation. Again, Bogdanovich isn't you know creating a ton of these from scratch looks in Sacramento, but he does have the ability, I think, to do more of that. A slightly under the radar interesting team could be the Nets, just because it doesn't. I, I'd be shocked now if Kyrie Irving plays again this season. Yeah, uh, he did have. That. He did have the cortisone shot in his shoulder to see if that works, but it just seems like they're not even going to reevaluate him for a few weeks. And then uh, if that doesn't work, they're going to have to go to the surgery route, which will keep him out three to four months. That's another little news item here. And so if he doesn't cost a ton, uh, maybe you're interested in, in having him, but then you're in this, you create this weird logjam next year where you have Karis LeVert, let's say you're re-signed by Danovich, and, and then you have Irving and, and Dimwitty and, and Kevin Durant. So uh, that might be just a little bit, of a stretch, but those are all teams that I think you make a case for Atlanta could certainly use him, but I just don't, they, they shouldn't be buyers, even though uh spoiler alert, they might have interest in, in Andre Drummond. Which Andre, is yeah. yeah. Uh, before we get to that rumor though. Oh wait, fun fact about Kyle Kuzma since dyeing his hair, he has made, <laughs> he has made fewer threes than LaMarcus Aldridge, who oh, is all no. of a sudden just shooting a ton of threes. And I love it. That's uh, not a good sign for Kuzma, though. That's deep dive analysis, though. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a couple of names that might have floated under the radar at the rumor mill with the Kings sort of Kingsing. Uh, the New York Post Mark Berman reported that uh, the Philadelphia 76ers may have interest in Marcus Morris. I'm going to tell everyone right now the Philadelphia 76ers are not trading for, for Marcus Morris. They can't match his salary. Which, That's what I was going to say. Who would they even send? Yeah, it's, it's $15 million. <laughs> And so without sussing out a third and fourth team and doing a wild like four for one, they're just not getting to the to the requisite salary number. They could maybe do a three for one. So if you were going to do a straight up trade with the Knicks, though, you would have to give up a core piece. You're not going to do that for Marcus Morris. The Clippers were mentioned as well. They almost signed him in free agency for multiple reports, and they can make a deal work. You have that Marcus. Parkless expiring salary. They can flip a first round pick. Maybe they even include Jerome Robinson in that deal as well. They might be interesting. Morris has said that he likes it in New York and wants to stay there. But if I'm the Knicks, and and he's been, let me make this clear, he has been extremely good. And by this point last year, I think his hot shooting numbers were already falling off. They really have yet to fall off this year. He is shooting 44.1% on off-the-dribble threes this Mm. season. Just been an, an absolute offensive monster for them. Uh, the Knicks need to trade him because I think they could get the equivalent of a of a first round pick or or prospect with a couple years left on his deal for him. And you just throw out you know potential c- contenders that might be interested in him or teams that are really make, looking to make a push for the playoffs. Portland is a team that has stood out for me, and they have expiring contracts and can give up a young player or a pick. Uh, he would be like an okay fit in Milwaukee if they could cobble together the the necessary salary. For him, uh, Philly, again, just doesn't have the, the salary matching fodder. I'd be curious what other teams might come out of the woodwork. I mentioned We mentioned the Clippers already. I'm sure the Lakers would 
kind of like him, but when you're playing two bigs at the same time and given how much money they need to cobble together, that's where sort of the real issue comes in and what might or what will, in my opinion, limit his trade market. Dallas, too. I think he'd be a good fit in Dallas because he's um, kind of a cross-position wing that'll give you more defense than some of the other guys that you have on your roster with that extra, just a better blend of um, shot-making and defense. So that might be another team to watch. Uh, Denver sort of iffy on just because I, I do think he needs to play a good amount of minutes at power forward. And with the emergence of Michael Porter Jr., you have Paul Millsap and Jeremy Grant. That doesn't really make too much sense. But I think there would be a team out there that would be willing to give the Knicks an expiring contract. I mean, if they have to take on an extra year, I'm, I'm pretty certain that they'd get a first-round picker prospect for him. Yeah, he's got to get traded. Um, he's having <laughs> a ridiculously good season he's averaging a career high 19.1 points per game you, you mentioned his off the dribble three-point percentage which is a little more impressive than what i'm about to say but still 47 percent on all threes is fantastic um rebounding a little bit yeah, I, I think he's gonna help somebody for sure uh you mentioned a lot of potential suitors and i i think we were right to um and i don't know if you and i did this but it, there was a lot of uh, sort of hand-wringing over the Knicks this summer because they, they had basically promised that they were going to get Durant and, and uh, Kyrie, and they, they missed out. But I think their backup plan was pretty good. They got a bunch of veterans that I assumed they knew that they'd have some trade value um, in the season, and they structured their contract so that they you know would increase that trade value. And Marcus Morris has played better than I think even the Knicks could have imagined. I think he's played better than the Spurs could have imagined. Um, and so he's he's played himself into um, a very, very real shot to get moved. Like you said, maybe that's not what he wants. But at this point, um, it's it's hard to imagine a different outcome for him. I mean, the Knicks have to be sellers at the deadline. I don't I don't know if they're going to, you know get a ton of assets for all these veterans that they have. But Marcus Morris is a guy that should certainly bring them at least one. I think you're being way too kind to what the Knicks did over the summer. <laughs> I know they didn't hand out bad contracts per se. At the same time, one or two of those spots should have been used to try and get in on the salary absorptions. When you look at the Andre yeah. Godala, uh, Harkless. So I, that is to me inexplicable and unforgivable for them. Uh, no, don't need to talk about the Knicks offseason anymore, though. Uh, <laughs> the other name that I think all we, we always kind of knew was going to be just officially in the rumor mill uh, was Dave Davis Bertans of the Wizards, who just thinks it's illegal to miss from three, basically, <laughs> this season. It has the, the ultimate green light in Washington. Uh, this report is from Trey Hughes of NBC Sports Washington, who says that basically the Wizards aren't actively shopping Bertans, but teams are calling about him. And among those suitors are the Sixers, Hawks, Lakers, Celtics, and this one surprised me a little bit, the Nuggets. Uh, of those teams, so again, Sixers, Hawks, Lakers, Celtics, and Nuggets, who makes the most sense for you? Um, I, you know, I think he helps whatever team he goes to. I, um, he's just such a natural, you just put him out there and let him shoot. And uh, so I think he's, you know, a good plug and play option for any of those teams. The Sixers, I think, need shooting. I was going to say maybe more than the rest of those, and I'm thinking the Lakers need some shooting too. But um, here's my thing with the Sixers: I feel like they need a playmaker more than they need someone who's just going to stretch the floor 
for yeah. them. And so I wouldn't want to see them cash in, you know, a pick and or prospect plus filler. Uh, and Davis Bertans at least doesn't make too much money. I just wouldn't want, if they were going to play their best hand this season, which I do think that they have the timeline to, I I don't think I'd want it to be for Davis Bertans. I, uh, Kyle Newbeck had a good article for Philly Voice uh, either yesterday or two days ago where he was saying that the, the Sixers actually need more guys who can create um, and, and give Ben Simmons an opportunity to do some other things like be, you know, be a screener in the pick and roll, stuff like that. So I would agree with you there. I, I thought that was a good point. Um, my biggest thing with Bertans is how old is he now? Like 27? Yeah, I think he might even be 28, actually. Um, check that. So 27 years old. So, and he just turned 27 in November. Um, if I'm the, like, why don't the Wizards just want to keep him? And maybe they do, because I think a lot of the Wizards writers have basically said that, you know, it, these, these calls are coming in one direction. Um, the guy is shooting now 43.4% from three on 8.6 attempts per game. Um, he's not like, you know, we talk about timelines a lot, but I, I think sometimes that's overblown. Like it, it shouldn't be that big of a deal that you have a guy who's three or four years older than the rest of your young pieces if he's good and if he fits. I mean, this this is a guy who's going to be hitting threes um, with <laughs> great regularity for the next four or five years. Um I think Washington's going to have to be sort of blown away to move Davis Bertans. I'm I'm sort of with you, but at the same time, unless you're just dead set on continuing along with the Bradley Beal, John Wall core, I don't know that you want to risk going into free agency and seeing him get more than mid-level money where all of a sudden you're locked into Bertans for $12 million a year over the next three or four years. And he seems like one of those guys who might sign a, a longer contract just because he is a career role player. He's on the older side. And so maybe he jumps the chance to sign a four year deal. Perhaps his next deal is eminently tradable and that helps, but it's, I, I could Who see the logic going to spend that 12 million on though. Well, they're, they're not flush with cap space this summer. So, so nobody, I guess you could say, but, but is that if, if you sign Bertans at let's say four years and $50 million, is that deal easily, easy to move? I think so. I because now you're looking at a contract that's what ten percent of the cap going forward. Um, I, I think everything in that like five to fifteen million range is going to be very tradable for the next few years, whether it's Bertans or, or somebody else. That to me is like that's sort of the sweet spot for a trade tradable contracts. That's fair enough. Um, I don't understand the Nuggets' interest unless they're just hoping to have another option. Uh, in case Paul Millsap leaves. And so then you can play and you have Plumlee coming off the book. So then you have the options of key and Grant as well. So I'm just running through all these names. Then you have the option of keeping one of those many bigs. I wouldn't, if I were them just looking at all the personnel they have, I wouldn't want to waste a whatever young player or, or future pick that I'm going to give up in any deal on Bertans. I think the Hawks, I think he would be amazing next to Jokic, but it's the concern is very real that they, they've already got a bunch of these tweener forwards. Basically, I'm I'm with you. Uh, the Hawks would be interesting as well, but they need to stop looking at players who are entering free agency that they're going to give up assets for because they can sign yeah. these guys with cap space. I think the Lakers and Celtics need him the most, and I I like him on the Celtics most. I know people want to see them get a burly or big. But one, they might be able to have a better chance of doing that on the trade market. And, you know, maybe th there's a, a path to them 
if if they have with their wings and with Marcus Smart, they can kind of uh, coax Joel Embiid into jump shots, more jump shots. Maybe they don't need to have that, you know, Al Horford type player to go and try and stop Joel Embiid. Now the two specifically are teammates, and it'd be interesting to see them run lineups with him at the five. And and so that 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 would be my favorite landing spot. The Lakers maybe just because if you have him then you're presumably going to invest more time in Anthony Davis at the five, which I still think the numbers have been wonky this year, but I still think that that's his best position. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Yeah. On the Celtics, I think he would be, I I think on either of those teams, those last two that you mentioned, I think he'd be really good for, for Boston. There has been talk about them. You know, they need to get a center. I think they're kind of set at center. They've got a lot of versatility there. I think uh, Daniel Tice is a solid defender Cantor is a great offensive center and then Robert Williams is like your your potential shot at something really good in my opinion um and so I think sacrificing the versatility they have the positionlessness the positionlessness um the positionless basketball that they can play with those three wings um I I think Bertans would add to that versatility I think a lot more than like a traditional back to the basket center would and then for the Lakers I think you know he he would make a ton of sense. Um, what's Bertans? He's making seven million. Seven million a year. So they'd have to do like Kuzma, Bradley. I think that does it. You think that would do it? Oh, I don't. I mean, if I'm the Wizards, I, I mean, might... I, what I was gonna say is like, do you have to add a pick? And then then it gets tricky because the Lakers just spent like all their draft capital. Right, and it's a little bit different because you're not going to have Dallas Bertans handle the ball. And so if I'm the Lakers, I actually wouldn't give up more than that. If it was bogey, again, I, I would. So it would be it would have to be Kyle Kuzma and Filler for me. Like That would be my, my best offer, which I actually think is probably more than fair considering I, what Bertans... I was going to say, I still think that's a decent offer. Like I I don't, I didn't mean to like pan Kuzma earlier in this podcast or in that article that I wrote. Like I, I do still think he has some value, so that's an interesting deal to me. Uh. On to some rumors that have been just widely talked about. So Woj reported leading into the weekend that the Hawks and the Pistons have had conversations about a Drummond swap. And uh, basically what it boils down to is that it would be the, the Brooklyn Nets pick, which will convey to Atlanta if they make the playoffs this uh, this season. And if not, then I think by 2021 or 2022, whenever they make the playoff next, essentially. And filler, which the Hawks have plenty of. Uh, yeah. That would be the deal for Andre Drummond. I hard pass if I'm the Hawks here. I wanted to know what what you sort of thought about that. Well, I've they the Hawks, believe it or not, have been sort of my target destination for Drummond for two or three months now. Um, I've written about it probably at least two or three times just this season alone for Bleacher Report, so it makes sense to me. Um, the obvious retort is why would they trade anything? for Drummond if they can just sign him as a free agent. And I think that's more than fair. And I think if you're, you're taking a wise sort of conservative approach to team building, that's what you would do. Um, just wait till he's a free agent and, and spend the cap space on him instead of giving up a pick. I guess maybe a little bit of pushback is, well, you know, the Lakers, we're going to do that with Paul George. And then he wound up somewhere else. Now, obviously the Lakers are fine now. They're, they're very much real title contenders. They got a better player eventually in Anthony Davis. Um, but there is always that risk, I guess, that it that you know, if you let the guy enter free agency, he could just choose somewhere else. Um, 
So, and in Atlanta is not exactly the sort of hot destination that the Lakers are, um, you know, so I guess I can kind of see where they're coming from. If they wanted to give up some assets now, get him in the system, give him an opportunity to play with Trey, Trey young, um, you know, see what it's like to play with a great passing point guard like that. And maybe he thinks, well, you know, I, I definitely want to stay the next few years here. This guy's given me all kinds of open dunks. Um, I, I think there's logic to it. Uh, in terms of like how he would actually fit on the Hawks, I, I do like it. Um, John Collins, I think, is mobile enough to play some four, and they won't be stepping on each other's toes in the paint. I think he's stretched his range out a little bit this season. Um, so I'm not terribly concerned about, you know, having too many big guys out there. And then I just – I think Drummond is going to get way more easy looks at the basket than he's ever had if he's playing with Trey Young. Pick and rolls with those two. Um, you start at, you know, five feet outside the three-point line. Guys are going to pay attention to Trey Young because he'll launch from anywhere. And that gives Drummond wide open lanes to the rim. Uh, and so from a basketball standpoint, I, I absolutely get it for Atlanta. I understand some of the basketball stuff because he is, when you just look at pure fit, it's so hard to find a team in need of a pure five that Atlanta, I think, is the default for that. Yeah. I'm not giving up even a pick for him, though, when I can just sign him in free agency. And I know Atlanta isn't the hottest destination, but if you miss out on Andre Drummond to me, then you miss out on Andre Drummond. I don't know. I think he would cap your ceiling with Collins and Trey young. Those are two defensive liabilities right there. And he's look, Andre Drummond has shown that he can move his feet uh, when he wants to anyway. And he hasn't played behind the best perimeter defenders at all when he's been in Detroit, but one Atlanta doesn't have many of those right now. Anyway, you know, maybe Cam Cam Reddish has been pretty good. Uh, Deandre Hunter is solid. So maybe they continue to develop, but there would need to be, more pieces. And I just don't, I know his gravity on the role is great and that he can rebound, but you're looking at someone who a lot of what he does is, is predicated on his just physical tools. And when he's going to turn 27 in August, it's going to come a point soon in a couple of years where he just goes on the decline. You'll probably see those rebounding numbers start to drop. And the fact that his minutes on the floor have never unequivocally coincided with a good defense, even with the personnel that have been around him in Detroit. Uh, that that bothers me a little bit if I were Atlanta. And then the other thing here is I think that, again, you can let it roll into the Dyson free agency or you can just go a cheaper option because I don't know that you want to pay 20 plus million dollars for this player long-term when you look at what it's going to cost you to retain Collins and Young in their extensions, which you have to officially think about. Collins is in year three. He'll be extension eligible this summer. Trey Young is then a year right behind him. And so they're just a couple years away from their salaries being kicked up. I'd rather them, you know, they've even been linked to Steven Adams. I He's a solid fit there as well. I just don't, I wouldn't go after him either. I'd rather see them see, uh, I'd rather see them inquire about Dwayne Dedman in Sacramento, who already requested a trade. And they never should have given him up in the first place. There are, are reports uh, that they Atlanta misses him in the locker room. And it's like, well, then why did you let him walk? in the first place. You could probably get him with really only having to give up filler would be my guess. Maybe you could talk to Phoenix and see what it would take to get Aaron Baines, who, while good this year, they're not going to make the playoffs. And then to pay him when you have DeAndre Ayton, it gets it gets a little bit weird. And so there just seem like there might be cheaper options for them to look at. And I think maybe those options don't elevate their ceiling as much, but I don't think Andre Drummond elevates their short-term or long-term ceiling uh, enough to warrant training for him. And the other thing is, even if you really like him, I, I'm not a fan of one, giving up the asset now ahead of free agency, but mostly two. So you're going to get him and then 
cheapen the value of this year's draft pick. I, I just don't I don't necessarily understand the logic there. I think those are all fair points. Um, the Brooklyn net pick is this year, right? If they make the playoffs, I think it's lottery protected. Okay. Um, and this draft, I, you know, we've, I think both admitted many times on this podcast that we're not draft experts, but it looks pretty bad to me. So I'm not, I'm not like losing sleep over that pick. Maybe that's why I'm not an NBA executive. Um, the other thing is I'm actually on Drummond's age. He's actually younger then I think a lot of it feels like he's been in the NBA for a while. And I think it's close to a decade now, but 27 isn't that old. I think he's got five years left until a a steep decline. And maybe that's, you know, accelerated by an injury or something like that. But I think he's in a pretty good position age wise. And I think the last thing you said is, is probably my biggest point is he just, to me, he does more for Atlanta's ceiling than, than any of those other guys do. And I don't, I don't know how much stock we can put into the stuff that happened earlier this year where Trey Young is supposedly demanding more help. Um, maybe he just needs to be told to be patient, and, and maybe Andre Drummond isn't the guy that's going to suddenly fix everything. But I think you at least signal to Trey Young that, hey, we are, we are interested in being competitive now. We're interested in making the playoffs. Um, I, I, again, I think the wiser approach is probably to just wait until free agency because there's I think there's a little bit more risk built into the trade but I I can see why they would at least explore the the possibility the price for him seems about right and if you're Detroit we should probably talk about their side of this this does signal to me at least that they might be willing to blow it up there's even been mm-hmm. a report that Griffin is going to consider Blake Griffin's going to consider season ending surgery on that left knee the, the price seems right. I just, if I were the Hawks, I wouldn't pay it. And I do think there's arguments that can go both ways. The fact that ownership is involved in this on the Hawks side, though, that, that doesn't appear to be ever yeah. a good sign for me. No. Uh, but, but for the Pistons, if, if Andre Drummond is available, you can assume that everybody's available. Trading Blake Griffin, the ship, at least this season, seems to have sailed. Uh, maybe they would have been able to be get really hard to do. <laughs> right. Maybe they would have been able to get value for him over the summer, even though we saw him dealing with that knee injury in the playoffs. He just had such a good year for them. I think someone would have rolled the dice on him then. But now you're looking at his contract, two years and $75.8 million left after this one and the left knee problems he's dealing with. That's going to be tough to move, even if he's healthy next year, probably. Uh, but aside from Drummond, you do have Derrick Rose, who's been playing well this year, and he has another year left in his contract. Um, you have Tony Snell with a player option for $12.2 million. You have a few expirings. Reggie Jackson has been healthy this year. Langston Gall- Galloway shot the ball fairly well. And even Mar- Markeith Morris, when you just look at what he's shooting from three, maybe there's a team that would be interested in him and his $3.2 million salary. So who do you think is, is the most likely piston to be moved this season? Is it Drummond? Is it... Is it someone else? I had the exact same thought you did when those rumors broke, and, and it was basically if Drummond's available, then they're, they're completely open for business. Um, I guess if we had to pick two guys that they might not move, it would be maybe like Dumboya and Kennard. Um, I'm officially I, intrigued know, by Sekou Dumboya, by the way. I'm just throwing yeah. that out there. And I don't think I don't think they would earn like the untouchable label, but I think if somebody's close, it's maybe those two guys. But to answer your actual question, um, I think Langston Galloway probably gets moved. He's, you know, like you said, he's shooting the ball well this season. I think a lot of teams, um, you know, shooting is always in, in pretty high demand, and he's got a very tradable contract. What's Markeith Morris making? 
3.2 million. Oh, that's very movable too. Um, With a player option for 3.4 next year, which I would imagine at this point, unless his foot injury is serious, he will decline. That is my guess. I, to me, it's honestly kind of hard to put my finger on who is most likely to be moved because, like you said, I I think the majority of the roster is probably available. Um, so it's <laughs> which guys are healthy and and playing well, and you could see contributing to a contender. Um, the other thing about Galloway is he's on an expiring contract. Same thing, kinda with Morris, although he's got a player option. But with with the twenty twenty free agent class, I can't imagine he's going to accept a three point four million dollar player option. So he's basically expiring too. Um, Derek Rose, he's not expiring, but seven point seven million next year is going to be a very manageable number on the on the cap. That I think is going to be like one hundred and sixteen million or something like that. Um, so it's actually kind of hard to pick one because I think there's there's a decent number of movable players here. I think it's Derek Rose, if only because if you don't trade Andre Drummond to the Hawks, where are you trading Andre Drummond? Yeah, that's a good, yeah. And there just I, seem like there'll be more suitors for Rose. I know some people mentioned the Lakers. I'm not necessarily crazy about him there, although he would be an upgrade over uh, Rondo. Orlando seems like a, a good fit for him. They're a team that they're not going to give up any you know long-term pieces. Maybe Aaron Gordon, but you're not going to see them trade Jonathan Isaac, who's now basically out for the year, which sucks, um, or Chumo Okeke, or maybe even Mo Bamba, but they could probably get Derrick Rose without giving up a core piece, and he's someone who could definitely bolster what's been a very iffy offense all season. So that's a team that might show some interest in him. I think you could even argue that despite his own shaky jumper, that maybe Philly would be a good spot for him just because they do need another playmaker. Not the perfect spot, but I, I think you could make that case. So there are a few different destinations out there for him, and he would be my Detroit Piston most likely to get moved unless they all of a sudden decide that, hey, we're, we're going to come back and try and compete next year, which just based off some of the stuff that owner Tom Gores has said would surprise me a little bit. Yeah, they need to be ready to do a, an actual rebuild. Um, I've, I feel like I've plugged my own writing more than usual uh, this podcast, but I have written about them recently thinking, and I, I did some research and they are just like, I don't know if there's another team in the NBA that says mediocre more than the Pistons over the last 20 years, basically since they won the title. So 15 years, um, it's time to just blow it up and, and start fresh. In my opinion, I'm with you. Uh, Kevin Love been in the rumor mill basically all year, just because when he signed the four year, $120.4 million extension of which he's in the first season. Now it was kind of faded complete that he would be moved. A lot of people expected it to happen last year, but then, he broke his foot. Uh, Saturday, a report comes from the athletic Sham Sharania that he was fined for um, his display of emotion when he was on the sideline. Uh, where he bet- wasn't it just a one thousand dollar fine too? Right. It felt like if it wasn't if him slapping the chair wasn't captured on camera, it felt like there just wouldn't have been a fine. Like he could have done it <laughs> if no one saw it. It wouldn't have been an issue. But then there was also apparently he got into a screaming match with GM Kobe Altman over the off season. And while he posted, and then we saw during their loss on Saturday night where he got mad. Everyone thought it was a Colin Sexton, but head coach John Beeline took the uh, took the blame for it, saying that Love wanted to post up on CP3, but he didn't see it, and Sexton was holding the ball. He ran over, took it for him, and just beelined it at Chetty Osman. That who clip was hilarious to me. Look, kudos to Kevin Love for setting Chetty up for the three-shot foul. That was just high basketball <laughs> IQ. Oh, my God. It was hysterical. But he posts on Instagram afterwards a picture of him and Colin Sexton together saying he loves 
his teammates. My whole thing is before the game, he had mood posted on Instagram with the Joker meme. And then ESPN's Brian Winhurst, who is one of the most plugged in people when it comes to the Cavs, said that Love absolutely wants out of there. And he also mentioned that it was Love and his camp that went to the Cavaliers about the extension after LeBron James left in 2018, which is very interesting. And so the first thing I want to talk about is Love's frustration and how warranted it is. I tend to be very pro player and I understand why he would be angry. And I also don't think you can fully absolve the Cavaliers of all blame. They obviously promised him, Ty Lu, that they were going to compete. We saw that whole situation with Lou and even J.R. Smith devolved the first season after LeBron left. That being said, Love, maybe, maybe the Cavaliers even promised Love that they would move him after signing this deal. Here's the thing. Love broke his foot. That derails a lot right there. I don't know who actually would have traded for him last season. Maybe there would have been a team, but would the Cavs have gotten anything of value in return? Mostly, though, Kevin Love is an intelligible adult. The Cavaliers struggled to win minutes when they had Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love without LeBron. What made him think when he had Jordan Clarkson around him, Colin Sexton coming in, Rodney Hood? What made him think, looking at this roster, that they were going to be fast-tracked to the postseason without both LeBron and Kyrie? And so that's where I that's where I fall. And if you're going to sign an extension where this is his this is fourth contract now. Once you get to your third contract, it's it's harder to to sympathize with the frustration because now you've chosen to be there. This isn't you being yep. drafted to be on a rookie scale. And then yes, you have the right to refuse to sign an extension, but that's your first huge windfall. You're just mostly not going to leave that team. And so you you you're basically at the behest of the team. Really always, but most certainly for those first seven to nine years of your career. But once you start signing these third and fourth contracts, it's on you. And so I think Kevin Love, the the way he's gone about it, at least with his body language, I don't know what he's doing behind the scenes with his teammates. It does seem like they all still like him. To me, it's just unacceptable. And that's what's a bad look about this. Yeah, I agree with all that. This is this is very very much on Kevin Love. <laughs> um, there there may be some report out there that says that oh they told me we were going to compete, but if if he was being honest with himself, he knew that it was going to be a rough road in Cleveland for a while. Um, and here's the thing: everyone else has been signing these shorter term contracts. He basically committed to the Cavs for five years because of when he yeah. signed the extension. And you know why he did that? Because that money wasn't going to be available anywhere yep. else. And he thought, yeah, I, I, I'm telling you, he thought that they could trade him, um, which is probably what will end up happening. Um, I was chuckling over here while you were talking because I did, a, I did some simple math. Um, the thousand dollar fine of Kevin Love is worth about a dollar, a buck ninety eight to someone who's making the median uh, U.S. salary. <laughs> So it's like a cheeseburger from McDonald's, but that's maybe funny to just me. Um, yeah, the, the the Kevin Love stuff is very much on him. And I, I think what's maybe not being talked about as much is he's, he's really not helping himself by behaving this way. Um, I know you're not a Seinfeld fan, but there's, there's an episode where he's dying to get fired by the Yankees so that, he can get hired by the Mets. They basically promised him a job, but they said, you got to get fired by the Yankees first. 
And he just does one outrageous thing after another to try to get fired. And I, it feels like a comedy almost what Kevin Love is doing. Like it's a, a parody. It's like a scene from semi pro. It, it doesn't feel real. That, <laughs> that clip was hilarious to me. It was, um, I don't know. It just seemed like a farce almost. So he's, I don't think he's doing himself any favors. And on top of, you know, the recent behavior, he's also past his prime. He's got a bunch of injury uh, concerns. He's, the game has maybe played past him a little bit. I mean, he's a stretch four still, but I think most teams want playmaking fours now, and that's just not him. He's going to get burned on the perimeter on defense as long as he's, as he's a four. I don't know how many teams are going to be lining up to pay this guy $30 million a year for the next three or four years. Yeah, and then that leads us into the next question of who are the suitors for yeah. Kevin Love? Because we've talked – it's pretty been – it's open and out there that he doesn't want to be there. And this is b- beforehand. He's just been readily available, it seems, since at least the beginning of the season, even though I believe it was Joe Varden of uh, Cleveland.com or was it – is he at, he at the Athletic now? I, I can't remember. Um, for some reason, going to double check that because I don't want to get it wrong. He is at the athletic. Joe Varden said that the Cavaliers had told him uh, that th- they wanted Kevin Love there. And first of all, he had to know they were rebuilding entering this season. And so, if the Cavaliers were telling him behind the scenes that they wanted to keep him, and he knew they were rebuilding, then I really don't know what he was expecting this yeah. season. But we just haven't had these these concrete teams mentioned to him. And and I know that the the Blazers have been the the most popular destination for him. I'm just like. Why? They are, since getting Carmelo Anthony, they're 7th in offensive efficiency and 25th in defensive efficiency. Kevin Love, he can play alongside Yusuf Nurkic when he's there, but now you're kind of moving Melo out of his best position for certain minutes, or at least you won't have him as many minutes at the floor, and he's been genuinely good for the Blazers. Still a below average true shooting percentage, but if you're going to get someone who's shooting basically 40% from three and and scoring over 15 points a game at the money he's making, I think you, I call that a win. I just call that a win. Uh, you know who else has been better than expected for them is Whiteside, and that's who they'd have to move to get Kevin Love. I, still, I don't know what happens to their defense if they lose him. Right, and I, I do hate watching a sign Whiteside play basketball. Uh, <laughs> I don't blame you. You could still get a pathway, though. You could use Kent Bazemore and then Filler. The problem there, then, is even though Kent Bazemore hasn't been good this season, I don't know. You can't be trading wings for bigs if you're the Blazers. You don't have uh, Rodney Hood. Right now, you gave up. uh, You didn't re-sign Aminu. You traded Harkless last year. And so it's just so complicated. And then after them, it's like, who? Who is trading for for Kevin Love? And that's not – I I still think Kevin Love is a good player. I just don't know which team goes out and gets him. Maybe it's Miami because I feel like their half-court offense has been a little bit too much of an adventure for me, at least watching them on on certain nights. I honestly honestly don't know. I, I struggle to come up with alternative destinations for him do you have any team that might be interesting Miami's kind of interesting but even them I I think they're better when they're playing with Adebayo facilitating from the high post and a bunch of wings running around him and I just don't know if Kevin Love really fits that mold um I I run into this problem every single time I have to write an article about trades it's and, and it's a big guy who's the target it's so hard to find a lot of logical spots for big guys right now most teams already have centers that are at least decent. Um, and then again, Kevin Love is just, he, he's almost like a positional, um, I don't even know what we call him now. Is is he a power forward? Does he make more sense as a center? 
He makes um, more sense as a center, but then you need to have a very have, specific type of personnel around him to make that work. Exactly. Defensively. I think I think he has huge problems, whatever position you put him at. Um, and when you when you attach the salary, it just becomes really really difficult to to find a logical destination for him. Right. Uh, I know one of the more popular scenarios has been Tyler Johnson and Dario Saric for Kevin Love. Maybe Phoenix considers that, but I don't know. I mean, we've seen Aiton and Baines play together this season. They, I think the Suns have actually fared, last time I checked, pretty well defensively in those minutes. Uh, that might be me speaking out of turn, though. I haven't checked in a couple of days. That being said, Kevin Love and DeAndre Aiton is, is very shaky. Kevin Love and Aaron Baines works. I just don't know. Is, is Phoenix you know, close enough to this season's playoff picture where it makes sense to... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're not giving I, up mu- much in that scenario, except for the fact that you're locking yourself into Kevin Love for the next three and a half seasons. And who's to say he just doesn't become disenchanted there extremely quickly? Yeah. Um, that, that No one is to say that because that's a very real possibility. I do um, think if the Spurs are serious about shooting more threes, which it sort of seems like over their last seven games that they are, Kevin Love on the Spurs would intrigue me. I know I Aldridge has slipped that's defensively. That's like very Spurs for their last three or four years. Uh, that they've operated. Right. I mean, do they want to lock themselves into the rest of the deal? That's a fair question too, but they would be a destination I'd actually like to see him go to. It'll be, uh, that'll be a very, very fascinating one to figure out. Uh, and Sacramento has also been mentioned. I don't, I don't know why though. I, I don't, <laughs> like, you have Richon Holmes has been good, but you have, you have Bagley as well. And maybe, and, Bielitsa has been pretty good. You could probably get him without assuming the Cavs are ready to just sell at this point. Maybe you get him without giving up much. Is it, you know, Bogey and Ariza or Bogey and Dwayne Dedman or something? I I don't I don't know what the framework is there, but he doesn't make too much sense there to me either. No, I I think my answer for probably most potential Kevin Love spots is he doesn't make a ton of sense there. Portland was the one that seemed good for a while, and even that has. Um, for all the reasons you already mentioned, it just it doesn't make Marvin sense. Williams makes more sense for Portland than Kevin Love. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. That's all I have on on the what rumor a, front. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, what an interesting spot for for Kevin Love's career to wind up, where we can logically say uh, Marvin Williams makes more sense. Look, look, Kevin Love's the better player. It's just so hard to find a fit for him right now, which I think speaks more to the direction of the league and just how many bigs. Yeah. There are under contract yeah, at the moment. For sure. Well, um, you did a great job of taking us through the NBA rumor mill, Dan. Thank you. Um, if you want to discuss any of these rumors or other rumors that have cropped up or will crop up, you can find us on Twitter. Dan's at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. The uh, podcast network at Blue Wire Pods. As always, we encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. If you've already done that, tell your friends, family, neighbors, and acquaintances to do so. And until next time, we leave you with a shout-out to Ben Udry and Kyle Anderson. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.